Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we can find today. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, or Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined today as usual by Mr. Chris Hess. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well, doing well. Heard you run to the weather lately, so... Yeah, no, we'll we'll start off with that. Pardon pardon any uh, change in the voice quality, or if you get a lot more coughing and breathing this time, because I have been fighting this this cold for seven days. So uh, I didn't get tested, so I don't know for sure if it's COVID. But I've had people in my near family who have been tested positive, so it could be. It's just. I didn't, it wasn't bad enough for me to really seek medical attention. It's just been a seven day cold. So. Sure. Let's go with that. What, what do you mean? Yes. Let's go with that. It's what exactly. I don't feel like I need to go to the doctor yet. I don't go yeah, to the doctor for much. The doctor. I'm a man of God. God bless <laughs> uh, you. Okay. I don't go that far, but yeah, I, yeah, no, it is true. And I believe that, but it's not why I'm not going to the doctor. I just, I don't think it's been bad enough to go to the doctor. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should have gone to the doctor. But uh, what else is going on in the world? So we we prayed last time for the people over in Afghanistan who were affected by the sudden pullout. And now as the, the dust has settled, we get to see exactly what, it, what happened and just the atrocity of ending a 20-year war so abruptly without like an exit strategy. It, it reminds me to pray for the people over there and all that equipment we left that it's going to fall into evil, evil people's hands because we did not get rid of the Taliban as we went over there initially to do 20 years ago. It's just ridiculous. There's so much. Yeah. I'm trying to stay neutral on the subject and, you know, I could say, well, regardless of what you think, it's still something that was significant. It's definitely significant. That is true. Uh, though you're right, it's such an atrocity over what had just happened. Uh, by far, um, I would go so far as to say, and as a lot of people have been saying too, uh, not to jump on a bandwagon, is it is the most vital mistake we could have made in that event, um, we were told, we were advised not to be doing something like that, pulling out so quickly like that, um, yeah. in terms of how smart it would be. So it's, it's a national embarrassment. It's, uh, it's an atrocity. We, we condemned so many people, and we've decided as a country we're no longer uh, protectors and guardians of this God-given earth. That we're mm-hmm. that we're here to look for self-interest, and that by itself, you know, principality-wise, was why I have, you know, my bar was really lowered um, in, in terms of respect towards what's been what's been put forth in leadership. How uh, you can say all you want about the media, but when you go as far as just seeing how our, our politicians and our leaders literally don't know what they're doing to that point. Um, yeah. Whatever your opinion is on, you know, 
whoever was in charge. Well, honestly, I don't I like I never liked the idea of being in Afghanistan in the first place. Like I don't think it's the United States job to be the peacekeepers of the world, but uh so someone like me wanted us to be out of there. But this is not the way I wanted us to be out of there. We left millions of dollars of equipment. We left people over there. Um, a lot of that civilians. Were guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. So like this is not the way I wanted out of Afghanistan. The sudden leaving equipment for the bad guys to pick up and our people over there to be misused and abused, like that's not okay. Like I don't care who you are. Yeah, I don't care how badly you want it out out of Afghanistan. You can't you can't justify that that level of blood and equipment. So that's all yeah. I have to say on that. Yeah, my last thoughts is just like, regardless of what you think, if it was a good idea to get out of Afghanistan, if we should never been there in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. you don't show up to the party and lose it. I mean, it's a party, but <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't show up somewhere, bring all your people and your stuff and just leave it there yeah. and then run away. Yeah. You know, and expect to have any of that secure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's well, they, they got, they, they left so quickly that, you know, Afghani citizens stormed the tarmac that the airplanes were leaving off of. That shouldn't have happened. (laughs) Like, Oh, well, so let's, let's talk about about it as what's been happening. Oh, I'm not gloating. I'm, I'm truly aggrieved by it. Like, it's sad. Although, uh, being a Revelation-based podcast, we can see some, I mean, eerily well, similar stuff going on there. I, I suppose, uh, being a Revelation-based podcast, we're not surprised by this, because we know how bad it's going to be. So, as bad as this atrocity is, it, it's guaranteed to get worse for the end times. Right. So, yes. I know. That's that's humbling. Which speaking about today's episode, <laughs> let's go over what happened last episode. First, yes. So we yes. talked about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, and their interaction with Nebuchadnezzar. Basically, Nebuchadnezzar builds this giant monument of either a god in his image or of himself that is left mm-hmm. in the history books. Uh, we are talking about ancient Babylon here. So that yeah. wasn't ever made 100% clear. Those scholars speculate it's either you know, a statue of an image of him as a deity or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, no, basically uh, or the, or the, yeah, or the Babylonian god Baal. Or, or that, that. Oh, forget about yeah. that guy. Um, in, in the epicenter of Babylon, and uh-huh. it was erected in the image of a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, that Daniel shared, and that mm-hmm. Daniel was given this insight to the Lord. He told him all about it, and mm-hmm. it verified that. You know, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. Nebuchadnezzar didn't take it as a message from the Lord. He thought it was a message from Daniel's God, quote-unquote. And he decided mm-hmm. to build it into a real thing. Well, either way, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were upgraded to political 
uh, positions in the Babylonian society, and they weren't practicing mm-hmm. any of the god worship, not our god, just the um, just one the true god, false yes, the false deities and false idols that all these Babylonians had created for themselves. They didn't practice on their point, so mm-hmm. that was found out about to Nebuchadnezzar by the surrounding. Um, you know, politicians, and they had, they also have, like, interestingly enough, this society had, like, magicians and all these other strange... Uh, wise men. Yes, a wise men, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were just, are relatively strange positions of power. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know why they walked into Nebuchadnezzar. Basically, uh, Nebuchadnezzar got so furiated at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to worship the golden statue in particular. Um, that They got thrown into a flaming furnace. This thing burns so hot and um, overflows with flames so badly it actually kills the three guards trying to heat up this furnace. Uh, mm-hmm. because, and throw uh, them in. Right, because Nebuchadnezzar says, I want it seven times hotter than it normally is. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the ancient mm-hmm. idiom. And um, mm-hmm. anything seven times greater. And uh, basically, it kills the three guards, doesn't kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, mm-hmm. there's an angel of the Lord that appears before the flames and the ashes. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar yep. sees. Mm-hmm. And he's once again uh, baffled by the power of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. So that was the the third uh, realization. Well, I guess it was the second because the first chapter was just him realizing how uh, how wise Daniel, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the first chapter. So that was the second humbling, if you want, of Nebuchadnezzar. And today we are going over. The chapter about his final humbling. This is a little bit of a crazy story. Uh, this letter is actually written by King Nebuchadnezzar, and it starts out in the first person, and then he switches over to third person during the meat of the, the narrative, and then at the end he'll come back to first person again. And this is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony of the power of God. And the last time we're going to hear directly from Nebuchadnezzar in the rest of the story. We'll, we'll hear some references in later chapters about Nebuchadnezzar or during the time, this time, but this is the last. So this is be the third time he's getting humiliated. And this is the time that we believe he actually understood the power of the God. So, yes. And, uh, with that in mind, with the first person to third person switch, you're going to see him talk a little more like he is this overwhelming presence that is a voice that is needed to be heard. And then sort of switches into this philosophical and, uh, yeah, esoterical um, viewpoint on what he means to the world, how others should view him, even mm-hmm. though he's stating in the first part of the letter this is who I am. It's, uh-huh. He's an interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Shall we begin? Yep. 
This is the book of Daniel, chapter 4, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language who live in all the earth, may your prosperity increase. I am pleased to I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and the wonders the most high God has done for me. How great are his miracles and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. So starting off right off the bat, it sounds like whatever we're about to hear King Nebuchadnezzar talk about, he finally gets it. He finally gets the power of our God. And he actually lifts God to his proper position. Instead of calling him like the God of Daniel or Daniel's God, he's saying the most high God. And he's giving him the the signs and wonders, which is paralleled in the New Testament. He talks about how mighty his wonders, his kingdom, his eternal kingdom. These are all, uh, these are all lines that we hear repeated in the New Testament. And, the New Testament writers are talking about signs and wonders. Right. And we'll see that this is another dream that has bothered Nebuchadnezzar to the point that he is freaking out about it. And he calls once again on Daniel to interpret this dream. Cool. So, yeah. Right. And as we talked about in the the first episode of talking about, uh, what was it? Chapter two, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar gets his holy insight, so to speak, and he talks to his seers, the all the, the wise men, all that stuff, is mm-hmm. that he holds dreams on a very high value. But also, in this culture that claims to be ever so spiritual, whether it was for political... I keep using that word today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> prosperity and gain in their society to be associated, associated with a god... Um, or not, they do take, and you'll see a lot in ancient cultures, is that dreams are ever so insightful toward what could they possibly mean for someone's life. You even see it today where, you mm-hmm. know, you yourself might even want to talk to your pastors or whether it's your pastor, your uh, counselor, your psychiatrist about what you've been dreaming about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, they can hold significant value. And especially mm-hmm. to this individual here. Yeah. All right. Next section. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me. So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they might take the dream's interpretation known to me. When the diviner priests, mediums, Chaldeans, Chaldeans, and astrologers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not make the interpretation known to me. Finally, Daniel, named Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar, Excuse me. After the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him came before me. I told him the dream. Belteshazzar, 
head of the diviners, because I know that you have a spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. In the visions of my mind, as I was lying in bed, I saw this. There was a tree in the middle of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew large and strong. Its top reached to the sky, and it was visible to the ends of the earth. It leaves, its leaves were beautiful, its fruit was abundant, and on it was food for all. Wild animals found shelter under it. The birds of the air lived in its branches, and every creature was fed from it. As I was lying in bed, I also saw the visions of my mind and observer, a holy one coming down from heaven. He called out loudly, Cut down the tree and chop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground and with a band of iron and bronze around it. In the tender grass of the field, let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share the plants of the earth with the animals. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal for seven, seven periods of time. This word is by decree of the observers. The matter is a command from the holy ones. This is so the living will know that the Most High is a ruler over the kingdom of men. He gives it to anyone he wants and sets the lowliest of men over it. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because none of the wise men of my kingdom can make the interpretation known to me, but you can, because you have the spirit of the holy gods. Hmm. So I want to point out first thing, every time that we have a dream that bothers King Nebuchadnezzar, he seems to jump the gun and say, okay, tell me what's going on or you're going to die. This is the first time uh, that we see he's not jumping to that. He believes in Daniel's ability, and he knows that Daniel can succeed where no other uh, wise man can. So we see that Nebuchadnezzar at least has that much faith in Daniel's ability that he's not saying, oh, you're all going to die if you can't figure this out. Right. And we got – so that's probably why the Chaldeans and the astrologers and everything were like – okay, well, if there's no threat of death, we're not going to try and come up with what that dream is because it doesn't sound overall that great. I mean, it's pretty, just on the face value, listening to to the dream, you're like, well, it starts out sounding good, but now it kind of sounds bad as you get to the final half. So uh, Daniel, we we see Daniel is even still kind of terrified at the actual interpretation of this he'll uh, as we as we get into the next section we'll see he kind of tries to butter up the king and and not and try and say that maybe this applies to your enemies and not you but this is the interpretation so right and i the way i see it too uh 
my apologies if I had to read it piece by piece. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I was trying to break down each sentence in my mind as well. And to be frank, I don't have my uh, my glasses or contacts with me today. Uh, just for the record, folks. <laughs> you did good. Oh, thank you. But um, a lot of this sounds like to me that, you know, that's what God is literally trying to show them. Like, this is where you're headed. This uh-huh. is what is to be of you. And uh-huh. this is like, it's a commandment of him to disperse his wealth and to restore the damage he's done. But at the uh-huh. same time, it's also like, well, hey, this is what's going to be, this is what yeah. is going to be consumed of you. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Nebuchadnezzar mentions the observers in this translation. Some translations it'll say watchers. So that is very much likely the the holy members of the council that are around God, that God, you know, kind of talks to and, and asks how we should do things. We see this several times in scripture where he asks the watchers or the observers what, what should be done and how it should be handled and who will carry things out. So instead of seeing like God directly involve himself. We see an angel of some sort, uh, probably one of that Holy council member carrying out this sentencing, carrying out this, this telling people or telling Nebuchadnezzar he's about to be laid low. And we'll see that as the interpretation is given. And then again, as Nebuchadnezzar repeats what exactly happened to him. So, just wanted to point that out as we see spiritual talk. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, I was just—he was mentioning spiritual beings, and that's one of the things we like to pick up on. Yeah. Uh, Are you talking about the 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 elders on his council? uh, I'm not—I'm not 100% sure if it's the same as the elder council. Uh, this could be just someone from the council. So the way I see it is that there's God on his throne. There's the elder council, which tends to be called the 24 thrones that we see in Revelation. And then there's a whole host of spirits and angels that are a lower part of that council and carry out the will of God in the spiritual realm. So I'm not hundred percent sure if this is like an elder from that council or if this is just a angel that's going forth with the, the uh, authority of God to carry out what is about to happen. Yes. Uh, why, and why this isn't the angel of the Lord that like we see when God is leading Israel or uh, as we see when, when God talks to Moses, like why is this, not the angel of the Lord, I'm not sure. Uh, could be that God doesn't feel the need to send his specific presence to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure on that, but we do see God use different spiritual beings throughout the Bible, so it's not unusual. I just I don't know why God's not using his specific spiritual being, you know? Yeah, as as others, it, 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 it's more so often in the Old Testament have seen the presence of God talked with the presence of God. You do make a valid point. Um, if all this sounds 
sounds unfamiliar to any of you guys in the audience. Uh, we are talking about the hierarchy of angels uh, that are present in heaven, which we talked mm-hmm. about already in Revelation. There's also um, yeah, there's so many different classifications and mm-hmm. uh, all of these important things that are. It's an awesome subject to get into, really. Yeah. Um, but, but to condense that, yes, um, we are talking about the hierarchy of angels, and uh, we, we both need to be. <laughs> rushing up on our knowledge of the names of angels, you know, <laughs> Mike, Michael, uh, not, not Jehovah. It's, uh, Ooh, I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, Wait, can you name well, any angels I, for me? Uh, Michael, Uriel, um, Azrael. Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but, uh, I don't think, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure that this would be considered one of those angels. Uh, those are the named angels that we see throughout the Bible are specific, like uh, hierarchy. There's specific, a specific class of angel. These guys are referred to as the watchers and they're mentioned in Genesis six. Uh, once when there's a group of watchers who break away and have, interrelations with the uh, daughters of men and then create these demon spawn literally. Uh, so the fact that it's referring to them as watchers tells me it's part of this class of the angels who broke away in the beginning of Genesis. Well, we are talking about good ones watching over. Yeah. About yeah. The guys that broke off with Lucifer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Why don't we go ahead and get started with the next section? Mm-hmm. Then Daniel. Oh, <laughs> I sort of jumped into that. <laughs> this is verse 19. Starting at verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was stunned for a moment, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, may the dream apply to those who hate you and its interpretation to your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, whose top reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruits abundant, and on it was food for all, under was the wild animals and where they live, and its branches, and in its branches the birds of the air lived. That tree is you, the king, for you have become a great and strong. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown and even reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the ends of the earth. The king saw an observer, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump with its roots in the ground and with a branch of iron and bronze around it. In the tender grass of the field, let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share food with the wild animals for seven periods of time. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is the sentence of the Most High that has been passed against my lord, the king. You will be driven away from the people who live with the wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with dew from the sky for seven periods of time. 
until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men, and he gives it to anyone he wants. As for the command to leave the tree's stump with its roots, your kingdom will be restored to you as soon as you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, may my advice seem good to you, my king. Separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right, and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be an extension of your prosperity. So, like I said, right off the bat there, Daniel hears the dream, and he's like, oh, crap, I have to deliver even more bad news to this guy, and he has a bad attitude. So, you know, he's kind of thinking, do I do I really want to give him the, the truth? And Nebuchadnezzar sees this and he's like, do not fear. Like, tell me what it is. Like, and, and Daniel like even opens his interpretation, like let it apply to your enemies. <laughs> you know, like he's, he's still trying not to, yeah. uh, he's, he's trying not to, to hope at least that, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar won't be upset by this. And it seems that he's not um, the, like, like we said, the beginning of that is really like positive. It's it's showing Nebuchadnezzar and this 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 providing all the food and shelter for his kingdom that they need. So it it does start off with him being uh, the provider and and being the protector of the area. Uh, the the height of the tree, however, is is the the uh his pride in his own ability so he thinks that he's done all this he he doesn't think that maybe he should thank god for the success he's had so well, i mean in a certain way nebuchadnezzar running the most advanced i would say society for its time across the entire globe yeah. um is a position where you could be seen from all angles. And this is his extent. I feel like we're not to discredit Nebuchadnezzar. This is where his his reaches go. And I think Mm -hmm. the Lord is trying to tell him that too. Like, this is what you are. And this is what's going to happen because you've been a bad boy. But (sighs) yeah, he hasn't properly uh, thanked God. He doesn't think that God has been the whole reason he's had this success. So, this is right. the the humbling that he's going to get, and uh, as we see, it says he will you know turn into a wild animal and eat grass and be covered in dew and driven away from people. So think like he he turns into a hermit. So whoa, uh, wait, what? Okay, oh, don't spoil it for me. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. So we we see that. The, we, it mentions the observer again coming down and, and commanding the tree to be cut down, and then he is driven insane and away from people. Uh, so the banding of the root and leaving the root is 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 the vision's way of saying that at some point your kingdom will be restored to you. But first, you have to go through this and become humbled and realize where exactly your your power where all your success has come from. So, and then Daniel at the very end says, Hey, be repentant, uh, you know, help the needy in your kingdom, do good things. And then maybe, maybe God will change his mind. So of course, as we're about to find out, God didn't change his mind. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar 
might have postponed his uh, sentencing, but eventually he he makes a mistake, and we will see what happens to him. Right. I just wanted to add a side note hmm. uh, because my brain is ADHD. Like, is him eating grass literal, or was that just the closest translation that they got in English? Um, I'm guessing it was literal, because as we're about to see, King Nebuchadnezzar say himself, he ate grass like oh, a wild crazy. animal. He said live as cattle. Yes, which cattle back in that time, they weren't fed like they are today, where we feed them like this high power ration of corn and hay and stuff. Uh, they were just mostly grazed on grass. They might be given a little grain to fatten them, but nothing, nothing like we do today. They, they mostly grazed on grass. So when they say he lives like cattle, they literally mean he was out in the pasture eating grass. Insane. So we'll see that happen. Okay. We're, we're going to touch more up on this when we catch up to the point where Anyway, all right. We're starting from verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, the king exclaimed, Is this not Babylon the Great that I built by my vast power to be a royal residence and to display my majestic glory? While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals, and you will feed on grass like cattle for seven periods of time, until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men, and he gives it to anyone he wants. At the moment the sentence against Nebuchadnezzar was executed, he was driven away from people, he ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with dew from the sky, until his hair grew like an eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. So there you go. He he literally is eating grass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, we see Nebuchadnezzar. You know, twelve months later, he he might have been repentant and truly trying to worship God up until that point, but at one point he's just walking around on his palace roof and he's like, yeah, no, I think I did all this. This is pretty amazing. And about halfway through a sentence, we see the watcher show up and say, yep, you're going to be driven away from people and your kingdom taken from you. Uh, have fun. You know, so this tough is lesson. just... Tough lesson in life. I mean, at first it's just, <laughs> it might have just been a dream, like, this is what you were doing. And then they're like, yeah. no, seriously? Go do it. Maybe that'll drive the idea through your head. Yeah, no, and, and we we seen this, you know, Nebuchadnezzar always gets so close to realizing how powerful God is, and he's just always off about it. So uh, he's a pretty stubborn individual, and yeah, I mean, there's probably some people like that today that require this, this level of humiliation, but uh, I think God works with different humiliation now. But well, this is definitely something that he's he's just a really stubborn individual and uh, very prideful about his his role in the world. So 
True. I mean, some of the stubbornness, too, might come from the fact that he's royalty. Not to discredit all royalty, but uh-huh. let's even look at modern positions of power. No uh-huh. one is ever shifted to the opposite side of the spectrum anymore, right? So uh-huh. let's just use, i.e., Democrats and Republicans. You're never going to hear a Republican go Democrat, um, Democrat go Republican up on the stage or mm-hmm. up in the, you know in their houses of power that's yeah. that doesn't happen it might happen to the average joe where they're like wow i really changed my mind i mean i, I mm-hmm. found the error in my ways and yeah. uh, that just doesn't happen on the higher ups because that's what that's what the eat sleep breathe is mm-hmm. their ideology mm-hmm. and the ideology they're associated with so a lot of this is ingrained into the man mm-hmm. and whether or not he, i mean he's at I'll give Nebuchadnezzar credit that he's a spiritual leader Mm -hmm. where he acknowledges the belief system as Mm -hmm. so fake as it is in Babylon to the point where we even found Mm -hmm. out and we were able to gather that people were just making gods for the heck of it. I Mm -hmm. mean, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, he's still a very spiritual leader, so he wants to acknowledge all this and his as far as that goes, that is the number one way that God's going to be able to pull him in. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's really, let, he's really lets things get to his head because that's, mm-hmm. you know, his sense of relief. He's in this position of power. He deserves it. It's all him, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see that. We see that with politicians in the state. Oh, it was all me. Yeah. Oh, that was not me. <laughs> no error yeah. in our ways. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that I think that's where the the term the higher you are, the harder the fall comes from. Where he, I mean, we don't hardly understand his position because he was a king of the largest empire in the world. Like the level of power he had is boggling. Our politicians, as corrupt as they are today, can't even imagine having that level of power. Like anything he said goes in the empire. So. Like this I is a power that can't imagine in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they some of them probably want it, but uh, it's one of those things. That this is so hard to tell exactly where he's coming from, and it could be why he's had this massive, massive humiliation. He goes from the most powerful man in the world to acting like a cow. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, silly as it is. That's dedication right there. Yeah. So that, that could just be his, the level of humiliation he needed. And of course, God knows that. So as we see, uh, when he, he talks in the next section, he, he finally gets it. So anything else to add or you want to get into the last section? Well, now you said that I'm excited to read it. Mm-hmm. I'm always excited to read this. Yes. <laughs> Starting at verse 34. But at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? 
At that time, my sanity returned to me, and my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom, and even more greatness came to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the King of Heaven, because all his works are true, and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. And there we go. Nebuchadnezzar finally gets it. It only took him how many years and how many stories about humbling him? We finally see him realize that our God is the God most high. So, right. And just as a just as a reminder here uh, of what Justin was talking about earlier, this isn't correlating as step four, step five of of Daniel's journey or of this story entirely. It's it, this is uh, this is uh, in, in tandem or continuum with events that we have not seen yet. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that we know that this happened, uh, the very next thing that he did was obviously do this cattle thing, glorify God, but we we're actually going to read in like the next following chapters events that are like going on at the same time as as this letter is being mm-hmm. developed, so on and yeah. so forth. This letter actually does it not come until like later on in the book of Daniel, anyway. Yeah, I think so. Um, but we yeah. see the first four chapters of Daniel are focused yeah. on Nebuchadnezzar's uh, journey from this this really tyrannical king to becoming a servant for the most high God. And yeah, we're going to see some more uh, chapters. It's not the next few chapters. It'll be later in the book of Daniel where it talks about the time of Nebuchadnezzar, but it's not focused on Nebuchadnezzar. We're focused more on Daniel and his visions of the future. So for the next three chapters, we're going to be looking at stories that are, are linked back to the last three chapters so, but it'll be with a different king. I think for every chapter, it's a completely different king. Um, so, uh, something I wanted to mention, uh, there's seven periods of time. It's, it's generally agreed that that must have been seven years. So this was a long time that he was acting like a cow, um, which is crazy to think about. Um, but as I said before, uh, he was a really prideful individual with a lot of power. He must have needed that much, um, you know, humility. So this, this could be Nebuchadnezzar trying to warn others not to disobey the one true God. Uh, as I said, he finally gets it this time. He praises the one true God. He doesn't say Daniel's God. He doesn't say the God of the Jews. He says the one true high God. So, and like I said, we're moving on in the story of the kingdom. So this story happened semi close to the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, uh, because in the next chapter, we'll be seeing the, the next King who took over after several Kings actually. So, but in this chapter, we see prophecy and then prophecy fulfilled immediately there's not a whole lot of stories where 
you get prophecy and you see it fulfilled within the same chapter. So this is a, a beautiful example of that where we are given the prophecy, what what's going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar, and then boom, we see it happen to Nebuchadnezzar. So, whereas, well, you know, those... Bit, but you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, whereas those other dreams still were partially, you know, to be fulfilled, so... Right, and I feel like, oh, that brings up a good point, too, like, just on a philosophical level, um, that the Lord is ever revealing to us, too, like, every step of the way, if he's ever present and always there with us, I feel like every step of the way, he reveals something to us, and it just takes up until the point that... um you know, we finally click with it. That he's like, "Hey, been here for a while, and this is where you're at in your personal life story." Just thought I'd remind mm-hmm. you. Um, so don't feel like you've been missing out over the years. It's all part of God's plan, too. But mm. yeah. yeah, want me to wrap it up? Uh, yes, sir. And um, I guess this will be the last thing I say for the episode. Mm-hmm. Is just. We are ever so appreciative of all the support we get on this show. Uh, we feel like a lot of our prayers have been answered uh, in our personal lives as well. And we love you all. Um, may God bless you. Uh, at any point, uh, he'll mention in the end cap of the episode, when the last thing he says of the episode, that we do have a Gmail uh, for suggestions, for comments, or questions. We'd love to hear from any of y'all. Uh, just based off of like what if you have any specific messages for me too um and that would be that would just be stupendous to get some feedback um if not and you're just tuning in to relax listen to the bible for a little while and enjoy your day uh god bless you too uh (laughs) we appreciate uh no matter who comes by yep y'all take care and have a wonderful day Hmm. so the takeaway for today humble yourself before god or prepare to be humbled I've had similar humbling experiences, though not as drastic as what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible often shows us the most extreme examples of things that could happen to us to make a point we should learn from, and none is more poignant than what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. It's a completely private venture and receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time. Mm-hmm.